everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the High Sensitivity Gaming Podcast. Thanks for listening, and if it's your first time here, we talk about video game and movie news, as well as what we watched or played over the week. My name is Barry, along with my co-host. Uh, my name is Craig. Welcome, welcome. And let's go ahead and get into the news. So, sh- should I just start? <laughs> I think you, for sure, need to take the first one, because it matters so much to you. Okay, well... Do it, uh, do it. All right, so... <laughs> Boys, we did it. <laughs> Put an Sakurai, F in the chat. <laughs> Sakurai, the mad lad, somehow yep. got, yes, Sora from Kingdom Hearts is the final, uh, I guess, fighter in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, I was I was at work while it was happening, so, you know, I couldn't do any sort of live reaction or anything, but I, I've watched the trailer, like, in the teaser stuff probably about at least 15 times <laughs> since it came out. And like, I just get goosebumps every time. Like it's, uh, it's me and this, you know, as Craig said, it does mean a lot to me where, uh, not only is like Sora one of my favorite gaming icons from my childhood, but also it, it means a lot to, I think, uh, like smash bros fans and kingdom hearts fans and that kind of thing. Uh, Sora is owned by both Disney and square Enix. So Disney had to say the okay on having uh, Sora in the game. And the fact that Sakurai somehow got uh, somehow got Sora in here, along with Mr. Iwata, who was uh, Nintendo's CEO uh, when he was alive, also said helped in getting this created and started. So go ahead, watch the trailer, watch the reactions. Let me tell you, because it's some of the funniest stuff you'll see. I did show Craig some yeah. of the reactions of people, uh, you know, all of them screaming and, you know, jumping up out of their seats and acting like maniacs for for Sora. And, you know, probably, yes, some of it is staged, but it's it's pretty heartwarming and pretty hilarious to watch it. I can't think of a better character to be your last character than this. Um, I just think it was so hyped up. Those videos are reminding me of like when they first announced Smash Brothers and like everybody was so pumped on that. That's what it reminded me of. So good for them. I, I almost feel better for everybody who's been working on this game forever that they can kind of chill now. Um, so, I mean, that's good, but, uh, I guess we know who your main's going to be from now on, huh? Well, you know, Zelda does have a special place in my heart. She's one of, you know, my, my favorite and best characters, but yeah, of course I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to be a Sora main. It'll be interesting, uh, to, to do it, but you know, it's, it sucks for everybody that wanted, you know, Waluigi or yeah. wanted, you know, Master Chief or Crash Bandicoot. So it it's just the way it is. And what Sakurai did mention in the presentation is that, you know, about four years ago, they did a survey saying, you know, who do you, who was who do you want to see in the game? And they didn't reveal the whole list, of course, but the most like requested character by far was Sora. And again, you probably have to jump through a lot of hoops to get him in there. And he, even, you know, to, and, you know, it's the small things, but, you know, any sort of relationship with Disney is completely like not in the game at all. Yeah. Um, usually like there's like these stained glass photos with Sora and then it'll show like four things that matter most to him. That's usually where Do- uh, Donald and Goofy go, but that's not in there because they can't <laughs> do that. That's, the, you know, Disney property at that point. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's nice to see what they did, what they could. Uh, I can't believe we didn't get simple and clean into the, into the <laughs> game. But, oh, you it's know, coming. I've, Give it time. Uh, yeah, I just listened to simple and clean, you know, uh, f- you know, all day today. So <laughs> it's it's fun. And, you know, it's it, it means a lot. And I hope soccer I gets to enjoy his like and I and I hope he gets to enjoy his retirement from Smash. He yeah it's been well documented how like the depression and like the long works hours he works to make smash what it is. And hope I hope for his sake, you know, he doesn't have to do it again. He can go and do other stuff instead. And then they make somebody else, the director of smash from here. But uh, this is definitely the, I think the best way to end it for him. Yeah. I also saw kind of, it got buried a little bit, but uh doom guy, uh, for your me character costumes, that's kind of cool. That kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, you think we'll still get like costumes from here on out? 
I uh, I personally don't think so. I okay. think that they've Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has been out for almost two, three years now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it's time for them to those developers and all of those people to put that game away. You yeah. know, I I can't imagine, you know, and I personally can't imagine working on the same thing for that for that long. It would be pretty it'd be pretty difficult to probably, you know, only have that and not really be able to work on anything else. So just good for those people. Um, and hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a well-deserved break for all of them. And you can go on the internet. Like people have been thanking Sakurai for what he's done with the super smash bros series. So if you're looking to, you know, get a little bit more heartwarming, some of those videos are pretty, pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so I'll go, let's go with news that, you thought you would hear maybe a couple of years ago, not right now. Uh, Ghost Recon is coming out with a battle royale uh, <laughs> called Frontlines. Yep. And everybody went, okay. <laughs> I don't know that anybody asked for this. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays. It does seem like it, it's not like the traditional just kill everybody and you win. It's there's objectives. And then once you do the objectives, you call for a, evac helicopter and then that alerts all the other players that you're trying to you know get out of the map but uh i guess it could be interesting but it definitely feels like battle royales are on their way not out but on their way down in popularity a little bit so it's it's interesting that they're coming out with it now especially ghost recon because i don't think ghost recon has been that popular the past couple of years so i don't know are, are you going to try it i i believe the mode is free so i probably yeah. will yeah. Um, really, the kind of difficult part for me to wrap my head around it is, you know, this is supposed to be like an anniversary, like celebration and stuff. I was hoping they were going to be announcing some sort of new game mm -hmm. with away from like these wildlands and the breakpoint uh, stuff that they've been doing, because those games like they are meh, to be completely honest, like yeah. I, I never can finish those games, you know, it's it, and maybe maybe it's more me than the game and i know that they have like their niche fans that are continuing to play it but i wouldn't be surprised if this battle royale game is like dead within a week of it being yeah. released it's yeah. it, it sounds different and the trailers make this look like a sort of different take on battle royale but it's battle royale such a saturated market as is right now and just with Tom Clancy's just too late to the party is, yeah. is what it is. Yep. This might have had a chance years ago, but now with everything going on and, you know, Ubisoft already had Hyperscape. So, yep. And that didn't you know, work either. Exactly. So I'm not sure what made them think this was going to be what it was. And I get it. It's the Tom Clancy name that people will play the game for. But like if if you play those games like Breakpoint and Wildlands, they really aren't that special. They really are nothing to be. uh to be it's really nothing to be gloated about in a right. way. I, I miss when Ghost Recon was more story based and could tell a story. And yeah, like also Future Soldier. Yeah. Rainbow Six. All those games were great. And, you know, I was I was thinking about it while they were doing the uh, highlight reel of their old games. But like I, I miss the SOCOM series in a way yeah. where it was a lot more tactical and ordering your teammates around and everything like that. And Wildlands and eventually Breakpoint did get to these points. But it's just not the same anymore. Um, it's I don't know. I just feel it just feels like they're 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 just kind of phoning this in like, OK, here's this and whatever we get out of it from any of our hardcore fans is just a plus. And that's not really how they should be looking at it or, you know, looking yeah. at the whales, <laughs> the whales. I mean, you have your big three for the Battle Royale. You have Apex, Fortnite and Call of Duty. And I just don't see a point in any other company trying at this point. I, I just don't think you're going to break through unless it's like a big name. Like if uh, I'm trying to think of somebody not Halo, but I don't even think Halo would work. But maybe like a uh, like a Star Wars theme one might have a chance. I don't know, yeah. but it's possible. But these other ones, I, I just don't know why you bother. Maybe they think they can make some money for a couple months and that's enough for them. But uh, yeah, I would much rather them go into making a new game you know, preferably single player game instead or division. Give me another division. Yeah, at this point. All right. That was actually the second thing on there. So my <laughs> my next story is going to be 
Marvel Studios and Sony are getting ready to face lawsuits from the family of former creators Stan Lee and Jack Kirby for Marvel. Uh, this is this has kind of been floating around for a while, and it all really started, uh, I think, about a couple months ago when Stan Lee's daughter was like, you know, give me give me the rights to these characters back. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, I I don't know that if the daughter kind of realized it doesn't work that way. You don't just ask <laughs> for permission to get this stuff back. Um, I kind of understand where these families are coming from because like Stan, the work of Stanley and Jack Kirby, like the amount of money like Sony and Marvel is making is literally ridiculous yep. off of this stuff. And maybe they're trying to get these rights back in order to rework a deal or to hire their own teams to do it. But it's really going to be hard. You've got Disney and Sony, probably two of the biggest like studios when it comes to media itself. And they're going to have the best lawyers. They're going to have like everything that, you know, they don't have. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it'll be a while before we see anything come of this. But it's definitely going to be an interesting court case for sure. Yeah, It always seems like trying to go against Disney in general never really works out that well. So I, I just don't see her getting anywhere with this at all. Um, I mean, it seemed pretty I, I would imagine that when Disney bought the rights to Marvel that they would have had all this written in the contract somewhere that it's fully there. So I get her point of view, like you said, but I don't think she has anywhere to stand on this one. No. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. It's, it's just something that, you know, the, the reason they were sold in the first place is because they weren't making any money. Yep. And that's kind of how it works in showbiz. Yeah, you don't get to sell it because it's not doing well. And then when it goes to somebody else and they do it well, you don't get to ask for it back. Yeah, (laughs) that's not how the world works. (laughs) Yeah, it's especially capitalism. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Capcom uh, said today that their plans are to make PC their main platform going forward, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it does kind of make sense when you think about the community for PC with like the Resident Evil games, specifically Monster Hunter. There's a big presence there for PC, so it makes sense. It just kind of caught me off guard because I've always kind of associated Capcom with console. Um, But, you know, they are there is a lot of PC players playing Capcom games. The the Resident Evil 8 or think of and like the mod communities for 7 and 8 were huge. So kind of interesting. I don't know if this affects really anything for consoles i don't know if we lose out on games i doubt it um it's just that they're gonna switch focus to making sure the pc versions work well and that they're not just ports of the console which is probably a good thing yeah i think from from capcom's perspective like yeah like the the biggest games we've seen and the mods that they can do for whether it's monster hunter or it's worth resident evil Mm -hmm. and I think what we're going to end up seeing is we could miss some games, but maybe smaller games that yeah. we really don't like. They they know is more of a risk and not so much, you know, we'll still see the major franchises come to console. And, yeah. you know, PC gaming, it's becoming more and more popular every, every year. I will admit it's a lot harder to get into it now just because you can't get a hold of any graphics cards for any reason yep. at this point. But those those people who are lucky enough to get it, you know, good for them. And it's pretty um, I wasn't originally a computer gamer, but I've, I like computer games now. There's definitely experiences on the computer that can really only be played on a computer. And I and, you know, I realized that now where when I was when I didn't have one, I didn't. So good for Capcom. And, you know, maybe. I'm not sure if anybody else knows this, but like Square Enix games, like the near games are notorious for being broken, like absolutely and utterly broken on PC. So maybe and I and maybe with that, Capcom can help Square Enix help some of their games uh, (laughs) run a little bit better. Yeah, I would love to be more of a PC gamer, like the modding that goes on for specifically Resident Evil 8 recently has always interested me, but. Unfortunately, I'm running on a six year old computer that I built and trying to get parts right now is impossible. So I have to stick to console. But when the time comes that you can, you know, get all the parts you need more reliably, I will 100 percent like jump right back into being a PC gamer. I think there's a lot there that I feel like I'm missing out on that I'd love to be able to get back into. 
Sony is going to be testing game trials in the UK uh, where you can. Uh, so, so far, it's kind of the first time we're seeing this where with Steam, you can download the game, try it for a couple hours and return it. Sony really hasn't been that good with that kind of stuff. So what we're seeing in the UK is that they're offering game trials and kind of the cheesy thing they're doing or the dirty kind of trick is you can play the game for a certain amount of hours, but uh, the download time counts toward your hours <laughs> played. So yeah. if it's like a big game you might and you don't have good Internet, you know, you might only get to play for a game for like half an hour or two hours or even one hour yeah. because you're waiting for the game to download. And it's kind of a sleazy trick in my in my way, but I, I guess somebody may not have an idea of how to track when someone's playing it kind of like how EA does. And that's something they definitely need to figure out. Cause I'd like to see this sort of game trial thing become more of a, more of a thing. There's so many games, like especially me who, you know, buys all of the games, you know, I wish I could have just had a trial instead of having to buy the $60 game. Some, some of these games you play for one, two hours and that's it. Yeah. You, you stop playing it. So a trial could definitely save people some money and also be safer for kids is how I'm thinking about it as well. Yeah, I, I 100% back this. It's come in handy on Steam for me. It's come in handy on the Oculus. Um, I've bought some games on the Oculus and it was like, yeah, this is not it and gotten refunds there. Um, and it's also like, that's just how I grew up, you know, back in the day, um, especially in like the PlayStation 1 and 2 era going to which, what was then Electronics Boutique, which is now GameStop, um, and buying a game and then, you know, getting it home, playing it for a day and, and realizing this is not good and just taking it right back to the store. Like, you can't really do that anymore. Um, but it was just a nice thing that, you know, at the time, it was like Electronics Boutique was the only place I would buy games because of that, because you felt safer doing that. And I think it's something that all the companies should do, but within reason, right? You don't want to have, like, a four hour time limit when you can beat a game in three and then you're just beating it and then being like, Oh, return because that happens now on steam. Um, yeah. And, and Especially the Oculus store. Yeah, Especially exactly. With indies. So I think it needs tweaked. I think they need to be able to look at how long on average a game takes to beat and adjust from there. Um, but most games, if you're playing like an hour or two, you get a good sense of whether or not you're going to keep playing it. So I don't yeah. think any more than like two hours is really what you need personally. Um, I know some people would probably argue for more, but I think two hours is probably the sweet spot on those. Yeah, it definitely be something that's more dynamic. Of course, like some games that are only like three hour experiences, you're not going to offer a trial for the game. That's half an hour, right? That's that's not or even 15 minutes. That's not going to be worth anyone's time. So I think we start to see this more with the big profile games. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think once, that's a good idea. You know, Assassin's Creed would probably help if they did something like that, because that's <laughs> yeah. like a thousand hour you know, adventure at that point. So, yeah, uh, we can get into the, um, you know, the rumor mill. I love the rumor mill for games. So I got a couple here. Um, I think we're all pretty much confirmed based on, again, more ratings boards. But uh, the GTA three Vice City and San Andreas remaster looks pretty guaranteed to be coming out uh, sometime before the end of this year. Um, so that's cool. I don't know. I would hope it's a remaster. I would hope it's not them just porting the games over again. Um, but I know I've said before that I would love to play through those games again. Um, so if I can get them on my Xbox or PlayStation or whatever, I will 100% do that. Um, there are also multiple Silent Hill games reportedly in development. And then a Metal Gear Solid remake based on Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 3 is reportedly in development. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, but the soonest one seems like is going to be the GTA trilogy, original trilogy collection, which I'm all about. Yeah, I would like to play these games just primarily because like I like GTA. But when I was younger and those games came out, I was not allowed to play those games. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So it'd be nice to play them now that I'm older and kind of have don't have a limit on what I can and cannot play. <laughs> I had to sneak playing those games back in the day. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even try sneaking. I was too much of a goody two shoes. <laughs> That's fair. 
I definitely didn't own them, but I would borrow them from friends and try to make sure that like that case was not anywhere where you could see it walking into my room <laughs> and then just late at night playing it with the volume down real low. That's how I experienced GTA three for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely remember doing that, but even with like kids games, just so I didn't have to wake up my parents. That's fair. And Silent Hill really isn't, you know, my type of genre, but good for Silent Hill fans. It's definitely something, you know, I people get, should get to experience and with metal gear solid i just wish they would you know the really the only metal gear i got into was guns of the patriots so if they for whatever reason redid that i'd be super happy or did something to where it's backwards compatible because i that was like the rumor for a long time yeah was that guns of the patriots was eventually going to become backward compatible or get you know re-released for ps4 we're now on the ps5 and you know those rumors have died down but You know, Metal Gear Solid has a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that game or whatever they end up doing with that franchise next ends up selling really well. Yeah, just because of how many people I know like it. I agree. Stick, uh, sticking with my Sony theme, it came out that God of War Ragnarok was delayed by uh, voice actor Chris Judge because he had surgery or uh, Christopher Judge is what I'll I'll just say his full name. And what was nice is that Santa Monica studio, you know, said, hey, go ahead to get the surgery and we'll wait till after you're done rehab to start it. But, you know, this all kind of started because fans were pretty annoyed about the game not being released in 2021. Like the original trailer said, I'm sorry, but just grow up. Yeah. You know, (laughs) stuff, stuff, stuff like this happens. And I hate and I hate seeing, you know, voice actors for any game or any kind of movie end up getting flack because oh, no, it's delayed or that character's a piece of crap. That's obviously the actor's fault, like that kind of thing. So it it just sucks to see that. And just let Judge get all of the time he needs uh, in, or, in order to heal up and everything like that. He probably even rushed it himself so he'd go back and be there. And uh, so the game wasn't delayed anymore. But God of War Ragnarok will be good. And, you know, good things comes to those who wait. I just yeah. wish people would learn to wait. This definitely it like is a good look for Santa, Sony Santa Monica, right? Because for them not to be like, nah, suffer through sitting in this booth with a bad uh, back or whatever for hours and hours a day because we want to get this game out. Like, I mean, good for them for being willing to put off a huge game like this so that he could get the help he needed there. Um, also, I mean, I think of, um, you know, like Dan Record, right, from Firescape Podcast. He always says that like he's at the point in his life where you just kind of like see a game announced and you're like, oh, yeah. And then you kind of forget about it till it comes out. That's kind of where I'm at now. So anytime something doesn't come out, I don't get too bent out of shape anymore. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll come out a lot sooner than we think. It'll be upon us. There's a million games to play in between. Give them the time to make sure that it gets done correctly, because the last thing you want is them to rush this game out because they would be just absolutely destroyed if this game is not good. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I am out of story, so it's all you. Okay, so just a couple other smaller ones. Uh, Sony acquires Bluepoint Studio. Bluepoint Studio was the one that made the Demon Souls remaster, which really did go down pretty well score-wise and everything they did to show off the PlayStation 5 technology. It was pretty much the first game you wanted to have, that and Spider-Man. And I think that says a lot about how the PS5 started out with those two big exclusives. And... Then we have the Game Awards announcing that it will be in December this year. Uh, I did not see a date when I was looking it up, but it's always nice to, you know, we're we're, we're getting to that time where it's going to be yep. game of the, you know, game of the year season. So start writing up your lists. I know Craig <laughs> and I work through ours throughout the year. Yep. So I, I I'm it should be a lot of fun yeah. uh, to, to see what this year has to hold. And there are still so many games for people to play and still so many can you know, game of the years that could just be sitting waiting and lie. So yeah, it's an exciting time. You know, we we were talking about it this week where we have Metroid Dread, Far Cry six and Back for Blood all out this yep. week. Yep. And and Alan that's Wake. A bi- yeah. And Alan Wake. Sorry, <laughs> yep. I forgot. How, how yep. dare I? How dare you? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a busy week, you know, and yep. speaking of big games, you know, there was that Super Monkey Ball game. Yeah. <laughs> that came out. Yeah. So another big one. Game yeah, of the Year contender. Exactly. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure Doki Doki Literature Club for the Switch also comes out. And oh, that's also man. 
<laughs> yeah, like it's it's not fair. Nope. Uh, all the games that are coming out, but you know that's that's what this season is. It's the start of the holiday season. And yeah, we're, we're I mean, going to be in full swing. I like I said before, like I have a, just a notepad like on my phone where I have all the movies and all the games that I've played um, and I put everyone on there that I think is potentially. And then I'm starting to go through now and st- sort of pick stuff off that I know is not going to make it. But maybe I should put a picture up on like the Instagram now of what my list looks like because it's so long and it's literally only October. We still have all of October, November and December, which there are some big games coming out that will probably get added to that list. And same thing with movies. Like you got a big potential movie of the year for you coming out this Friday. Yeah. So, you know, like there's a lot. I'm just trying to stay ahead of it. So I'm not like the week before we record being like, all right, I got to cut down from 40 games to 10. Um, I'm trying to do a little bit of it now. Yeah, I'm trying to like not let my hype for James Bond like overtake <laughs> me because like I know how bad like he, and the movie is reviewing kind of meh in a lot of ways for a lot of people. But a lot of people say this is uh, Daniel Craig's best performance as Bond. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to look at it critically and with a good eye but it's hard to win you know this is uh for me you know my favorite my favorite james bond and i've seen the classics as well yeah. uh and to see his re- reign come to an end it's going to be hard not to be like oh yeah this is the best movie ever made that kind of thing <laughs> so uh you're gonna come out of the theater just crying just weeping that's gonna be I, you yeah <laughs> I'm going to yeah, I'm going to be crying for Daniel Craig. That that that'd be such a <laughs> such a sad sight for me. Yep. Just pouring that. into your bucket of popcorn. Yeah. That's going to be you the last. I mean, this is what a, almost a 3-hour movie, right? Yeah. 3 straight hours of you crying because Daniel Craig's leaving. Yeah, like my popcorn will just won't be like a thing of popcorn anymore. It's just going to be like popcorn <laughs> sitting in water. Yep. It's going to be it's gonna be you. Soggy. Bring your it's bring your be- tissues. Mentally prepare yourself the day before. I mean, we're almost here, right? A couple of days away until um, that comes out. You're going day one, right? Yeah, I'm going to try to see it on Thursday. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to see if a buddy of mine wants to come with me or not. So uh, we'll we'll see. But I, I definitely want to see it. That's for sure. I, I don't want to yeah. wait too long for this. <laughs> I don't blame you. And that's going to be it for news. So we're going to go on to games played this week. So for me, it's going to be like the official FIFA 22 release. I got a decent amount in there, too. And I also was able to get through the queue lines and played a decent amount of the new world. Uh, The Amazon exclusive, the Amazon, no, Amazon made game. That's for PC. Yeah, that's what it is for now. Did you end up playing? Um, I got a list, man. I got Goliath on the Oculus. I started some Alan Wake. Early, early impressions. I have the uh, Hot Wheels game. You know, that's on there. I did finish the Forgotten City. And then uh, just a quick take on the uh, Apex Bloodhound event this week. Okay. I'll let you start. I'll let you start with however you want to go. You've got a decent amount more than I do. (laughs) We'll just go with the top of my list. So Goliath on the Oculus. Um, I don't know if you call this a game or an interactive movie. I think it sits somewhere in between. Um, but basically it deals with, uh, it's telling the story of a man who is a streamer who has, uh, multiple personalities, um, schizophrenic and, uh, his name, his streaming name is Goliath. Um, I had never heard of him. He is from, uh, I believe England. Um, but it basically just tells the story of his life and dealing with schizophrenia, um, and being diagnosed and all that. It's a very cool, cool, uh, idea. Um, but. Where this really shines is it makes you kind of understand what it's like to have schizophrenia. Um, They do a lot of very cool things. Um, When you first start up, it'll ask you your name. uh, And then when you say your name, it's recording it. And then throughout the game, it'll be like whispering it back into your ears while you're playing. Um, It does a thing with the vibration to make it feel like a bug is crawling across your forehead, which I thought was really cool. Um, And it just does a lot of interesting things that you could only do in VR uh, that, you know, really kind of helps hit home what people like that have to go through. Um, I would recommend it. It is free. Uh, You can just download it if you have an Oculus. I don't know if it's on other platforms. I would assume Hmm. it probably is, Um, but definitely worth checking out. Not that long, uh, but it was very, very cool. I don't know if I can put it on a gaming list because it's not a whole lot of gaming. Um, it's a lot of just kind of interacting with the environment, 
but it was very cool. I would highly recommend people check it out. Cool. All right. Uh, so I'll go into FIFA 22 because you okay. played that as well. Yes. Uh, now that it's the official release and I didn't really play it during the EA trial period, but FIFA 22, um, it hasn't changed much. I've, you know, I'll admit that the hypermotion is a cool feature, but I, I am enjoying the game a lot more. Like the, the thing I've always liked about FIFA is that you can kind of find yourself enjoying it in a lot of ways, whether it's be a, uh, be a pro mode, be a manager, the uh, football ultimate team, the Volta stuff that you have, like FIFA has all of these game modes. And even if you don't find yourself connecting with all of them, you'll usually find a way if you like soccer to connect with one of them. And I was telling Craig this today, but for me right now, I'm really enjoying um, like playing as a manager for my favorite team, the Tottenham Hotspurs and managing them. I don't play all the games. I like to let most of them sim and kind of manage the squad and how I can. And there's, there's a lot of opportunities to do so. There's opportunities where your players talk to you. There's opportunities for you to go out and interview. And I I really like all of like the management I get to do. You know, I get to send out people to go look at players for me so I can buy them. And I also have a youth I also have youth scouts to kind of go out and find talent and then sign them and then, you know, send them out to get developed. It's kind of like all this much fun and it's also fun trying to keep your players happy because they want to be in the starting squad. So you have to constantly be rotating uh, your squad and, and finding that perfect balance. And what I like about sim mode as well, uh, or like the simming feature is when you press sim, like it kind of brings up a graphic of a, of a soccer or football pitch and you can see the ball and then your team is colored. The other team is, and it's just like a really quick, like, it's showing you where the ball's going. It's showing you how the team is like playing. And if you score and you can literally just press like the team management button, make substitutions. And then that happens when it's available. I just really like all of what it's doing with it. And um, in past FIFA's, I did like the simming portion of it, but I kind of left it to play, you know, pro clubs, which is also a lot of fun if you can find friends to play with, but it's, you know, FIFA 22 always tends to finds a way to surprise me because it's not really the hyper motion or the new gameplay that's getting me to play it. It's just the it's just the fun of managing a team. That's just, and, and that's where I'm finding fun in the game. Yeah, I haven't messed with like doing the whole GM thing. I've just again, just been sticking with the like the career mode with your player. But it is true that like just like with um, NBA and, and Madden to a certain extent, there's so many options that there's going to be something that you're going to find enjoyable if you're interested in that particular sport. Um, and I can appreciate the amount of work that went into making all these different modes. And it seems like the sim mode, even though I haven't tried it, just seems super in-depth, which is awesome. I always enjoyed that about the NBA games, like whenever you sim, that how in-depth you could get. Um, so that's cool. I'm glad you're liking it, though. Yeah, of course, like it's it's more fun for me when you get to play with a club that has like a star players and you can sell them for high prices and then buy, you know, other good players where if I was starting with, you know, your club, Sunderland, yeah. it they would be, nobody. be starting with a lot less. <laughs> but, you know, you can rise them from the ashes and, you know, make them a great team, go through all of the leagues and eventually yeah. become, you know, a billion dollar club or something like that. So, yeah, uh, there's. There's fun to be had no matter what. And I and we did mention it. I really do like what the intro did yeah. for uh, FIFA this year. Uh, a lot of the times it just kind of ha it kind of just throws you in like a little tutorial thing on the pitch. This one was a lot more interactive. You know, you you start out with your avatar, you make your avatar and then you kind of just go through you trying to get to this PSG tryout. And then, you know, throughout it, you start to see cameos where, you know, Thierry Henry is. Um, in there, Killian Mbappe, the cover star for uh, FIFA and striker for PSG is on there. And then you go and do this other, then you go do other stuff. Son from the Tottenham Hotspurs. Like there's all these cool cameos and not all of them are even players. You know, there's yeah. David Beckham in here. Sure. But yeah. one of the play, one, one of the people in there is Jay Balvin for whatever reason. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's in kind of like this tutorial mode and I just find that kind of fun. You know, it's a it's a new way instead of just plopping you on a practice field and having, you know, text tell you what to do. 
it still does that. That's still how you progress and learn how to play the game, but it's just a lot more fun and interactive. It's a lot more up tempo. And I think yeah. that's what I liked about it. Yeah. I thought the intro was super cool. Um, I don't know. I just, I like different ways to teach you the game instead of just the same thing every year of press this button to do this. And like every game does that to get, yeah. has to give you the intro, but like spicing it up is always cool. Yeah. Like it would have been cool if NBA did that for me, Yeah, but like NBA, yeah. you know, it just makes me go through, you know, uh, fine going through all their menus and having to do training. And then the training <laughs> yeah. stuff is just the same old stuff. Plops you on a basketball court with the best player that they can put you with for what you're trying to learn. And you just do and you just do drills in order to yep. learn like this controls, I think, stick with you more in your head if it's a more memorable experience. And yep. the fact that um, and I guess it's kind of crazy in a rant in a way, but it, it's weird how we don't see more people trying to do like put money into their tutorials in order to get new players to onboard better, because mm -hmm. a lot of what sucks about games sometimes is that there's so much to learn. And they get overwhelmed with it. But if you can make it fun, like take, for example, one of the best tutorials of all time, God of War three. Yeah. Uh, where you are right in the action and it, it it walks you through how to do it and like play the game in the most fun way. And I say it's the best tutorial of all time, but that's just me personally. It uh, like to that day, that tutorial tutorial is memorable and I could probably still like have fun with it and learn the controls of the game all over again. But yeah. That's what I think more of these games should start doing, especially sports games. Uh, and especially with someone who's trying to get new into the sport, you can't expect everybody who picks up a copy of Madden to know what football's about. Maybe they're trying to learn football and they wanted to try learning it by playing the game. Like, yeah, you, you know, we mention it now and it's kind of ridiculous to think that more people don't put more money toward tutorials of games. I agree. Yeah, because I will admit that I don't know half of what most people probably know about soccer, right? Like I'm yeah. just starting to get into it. So that tutorial to me was awesome. Like it introduced me to like having not really messed with FIFA games. I mean, like, OK, that's how you do a through ball. That's how you, you know all that stuff. I didn't know any of that. And it made it fun. So it was, yeah, definitely one of the best uh, intros I've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then... So. Um, Alan Wake, uh, early, early impressions, because that just came out today when we're recording yeah. on Tuesday. This is a remaster of last two, two generations ago. Um, Alan Wake on the 360 was, I would say, probably top two or three games of that generation for me. I love Alan Wake. I love Remedy. Um, I love every game they've done. I've said that before. Um, Control, Max Payne, this. Um, just I love everything they do. I would say very early on impressions that knowing how the old game looks, there's a lot of work that went into this to make it look good. I don't think it's going to blow anybody away. If you haven't played the original, I don't think you're going to look at this and be like, man, this looks fantastic. It looks good. Um, but if you were to compare it, like if they had the option, you know how some remasters, you can hit a button and it'll switch back. Yeah. If they had that, you would be able to see the huge difference here, but there is a big difference. Um, and for me, having it be like one of my favorite games, uh, I don't know where it would go on like my all time list, probably top 20. Uh, it's just been great so far to be like, man, I missed this game. I tend to play through it like every year, or every other year. And I was literally about to play through it again when they announced that this was coming out. So this is the perfect timing for me. Um, I can't stress to people enough how much they should play this game. Uh, it's only 30 bucks for the remaster. Uh, it is a like, I would say... I don't know if it's just it's not really a straight horror game. It's more of like a thriller, um, supernatural thriller here has to do with Alan Wake as a writer. Um, he's going to this city, not city, um, backwoods place to finish a novel and his wife disappears. And that's your main thing here. The mechanics are pretty simple. You have a flashlight and a gun. Um, you have to hit the enemies with the flashlight to burn the darkness off of them. And then you can shoot them with the gun. Uh, it is third person. And man, I just love this story. The interactive elements have always been there. Um, there's QR codes now that like you can scan with your phone and it'll bring up YouTube videos that they just made, which I thought was awesome. That just gives you more backstory. But to me, this game is all about like the characters. The characters in the town are fantastic. Yeah. I love the characters. So 100 percent. This is like 
cannot recommend enough for everybody to try out. Even if you're not really into like, it's not a scary game, but like scary games in quotation marks, you still should check it out. So everybody, if you can find it, which is going to be hard to do, pick up Alan Wake or get it digitally. Yeah, I've... I was even interested in Alan Wake, and it's not something mm-hmm. I got to play because of its Xbox uh, Xbox exclusivity right. when it first came out. And now that I could get it for PS5, uh, you know, I might end up giving it a shot. And you know, there's stuff yep. like I really, st- I really need to play Control still. Like yeah. you know, our backlogs are ridiculous when it comes to gaming, <laughs> yeah. and it's only going to get worse as the year goes on here. So yep. it's it, it's. I'm I'm glad to see that you're having fun with it and that it looks like the upgrades itself are worth it to make this game, you know, playable and to play it again. Yeah, it definitely needed the work to make it for a newer generation to be able to check it out. Yeah, I'll talk about New World, a very and I'm going to say it. It's a very odd kind of blast from the past game. I feel in a lot of ways. So I talked about it last week, but this game was plagued with long, long queue times. And uh, I finally got to play it today for a couple hours before do it before recording the podcast here. And I say it's a blast from the past because it feels like it. Um, and I've tr- I tried to get into MMOs earlier this year. You know, I played a lot of Destiny last year when I wasn't working and recovering from surgery. I tried, you know, Black Desert, uh, Final Fantasy 14 online And none of those games really got to me. But, you know, my brother and his friends were trying New World, so I wanted to try it as well. It's a $40 game and it's a one-time fee. Uh, Which, where a lot of these other games, for example, Final Fantasy XIV World of Warcraft, it's like a monthly payment. So it is a bit more different and requires, you know, a little bit more of an investment from you than just one $40 payment. But what... New World, I I think is trying to capture is like an older ruinscape type thing. And a lot of games now you really don't see, you know. Everything you do in New World is like giving you a point. You hit enemies with a weapon, you gain XP for it. You switch weapons, you know, you gain XP for that other weapon. When you're gathering bushes and gathering flint, that's a skill that you can level up. When you're hunting, it's a skill you can level up. It's a lot like how RuneScape was, where, you know, there were so many different categories in order for you to to level up and become more proficient. in. And in a way, what this game primarily is relying on is you getting involved in its like system where, you know, you get a bunch of rare loot, you craft stuff with it and then try to sell it. Um I haven't heard many people get to the end game yet, so I really don't know what the end game is like. And for games like these, the end game has to be fun and it has to be something for people to be able to do. Look at Anthem. That was supposed to be something like this and it didn't work out well at all for that. And New World isn't a bad game. I I just don't know where, you know, people are going to find the long term like uh, uh, longevity in this. It it does have old remnants of it, but unless you're playing with a bunch of friends and doing raids with friends and that kind of thing, I don't see how a lot of people would stick to this game. And I'm going to continue to put more hours into it and see what happens with it. But it's just, it's an odd game. And from Amazon studios, I guess I should expect no less considering (laughs) a lot of the games they've put out this year are either terrible or they pull the store off to they pull the they pull it off the store altogether in order to try to save themselves. So it's a it's a weird game, but I do like the fact that it's only forty dollars. And with the kind of scummy thing that they do is there is like pay to win elements. You can buy like better gear in order to help you loot faster, kill faster, and everything like that. And I really do hate that in this type of game, but. How every how every gaming company works now is how can I add microtransactions into it, you know, whether it's kind of scummy in a way or not. So all we can do is all I can really do is continue to play and see what happens. But New World is kind of a a definition of a mixed bag for me. I really don't know how to feel about it because it's it is it it feels like an old game. So it's not the uh, World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy killer. No, it is not. (laughs) All right. For sure. At least it doesn't have that monthly fee. Like, I feel like that's something that 
doesn't really need to be a thing anymore. I mean, I get it, but like, I feel the amount of like every game uses microtransactions now. I just don't think you need that monthly fee for one game anymore. I feel like it's outdated at this point. Yeah, I guess I guess really the only thing that, you know, for Final Fantasy 14 and for World of Warcraft is that when when a new expansion comes out, you get it, that yeah. kind of thing. And then all of the, like, the money that you use for subscriptions helps run the servers, which mm-hmm. is why there aren't server issues. So there's a whole bunch of kind of jargon and stuff we could go into as to why like the subscriptions happen. But um i'm i'm definitely glad new world is not subscription based because if it was i'm pretty sure a lot less people would be playing it oh yeah for sure and you know they'll tie in uh stuff for your character through amazon prime right like yep. the, you know Probably. they'll be doing that um i'm surprised they don't like have some sort of monthly drop or maybe they do and i just haven't seen it yet for prime um it seems prime <laughs> uh, candidate <laughs> for that uh if we want to drop let's go with the loot box or you know pay to win aspect let's go right into hot wheels okay um hot wheels is a straight up racing game i like the way it looks because you're literally racing on hot wheels tracks in like your basement or in an arcade or a skate park which is super cool it looks good it controls very well the drifting in it is like spot on um but when you turn this game on for the first time After you pick your language, the first thing that pops up is like, here's three free loot boxes and they call them loot boxes. And that's how you get your cars. Uh, There's a lot of cool cars in here. Like I have the back to the future car, all kinds of stuff. But like, man, you already paid for the game. I don't need you to be shoving this much loot box nonsense in my face. Kind of ruin my mood on it real quick, because this is a game that could be very, very cool. Um, I felt like this was going to be the like the holdover for me until Forza comes out. Um, but because of the whole loot box thing, I was just, you know, I I bounce off this super, super quick. Um, so it's kind of a bummer. The game itself is good, but they definitely have a pay to win element in there. So I would suggest probably staying away on this one. Um, yeah, I I did hear the microtransactions are pretty bad in this game. And yeah, everything else for this game does tend to be fun. Yeah, but it raises up that old question. It's like Hot Wheels is a kid's brand. Mm-hmm. If if you look at it, despite, you know, everybody who collects Hot Wheels, it can be, you know, you can collect Hot Wheels at any age. But when you're a kid, you usually play with Hot Wheels cards. And the mm-hmm. fact that a parent could pick this up and go, oh, hey, my kid likes Hot Wheels. It should be a fun game to play. But yep. then when they join in, if they want to get like their favorite car or something like that, you're going to have to pay. Yep. And that that is a kind of a scummy thing to do when it comes to comes to loot boxes, considering that, yes, games and Hot Wheels are for all ages, but the majority of people trying to play this game are parents getting it for their kids. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely know what they're doing here. They're definitely aiming at the, the kids here um, because I mean, I, I don't have like a huge love for Hot Wheels, but I enjoyed it enough as a kid. But it's just a bummer because this could be a game that is super, super cool. If they just stuck with the straight unlock the cars as you go through the career mode or whatever, it would have been fine. I don't yeah. think they needed to do this. Um, did you have any other ones? No, it was just those two okay. for me. Um, the Apex event, which is the Bloodhound event, has been very, very cool for me. Um, they've been releasing one thing you have to do every day, which, you know, is just like go find this white raven in the map and then track it to another section in the map. And then that's it. Um, at first, when I was trying to do this, it was a bit of a mess because you have to wait for that specific map to pop up in rotation. Yeah. And then on top of that, everybody's trying to land in the same spot. And then on top of that, there's people who are not playing as Bloodhound landing in that same spot for easy kills of everybody. Um, so it was a bit of a mess, but it has worked itself out and it has made me have a new appreciation for Apex because of the community uh, banding together to make sure everybody gets this done so uh if you drop in uh, as bloodhound any other bloodhound i saw when i was doing these would all you do like the uh they would throw their banner to let you know that they're friendly um and you would just have a good time they would take you right to where you needed to go so you didn't have to waste time trying to find where the next track was um and the second time that i did this i landed with about uh, like 10 other bloodhounds we all went and did it And then we ran the entire rest of that match together in a group of 10. This was in duos. 
And anytime anybody shot at one of us, it was just 10 bloodhounds all converging on this one person. Um, it was just a hilarious, fun time. And when we got to the end, we just had a, uh, a melee combat to see who the winner was. So very, very cool. It gives you a little bit of hope in communities for games that they can be good. Um, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. So I know it's still going on. I think the last one is up today, so you can do it. And you get like some Apex packs out of it, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's that's good to see. I'm gl- I'm yeah. glad that like, you know, those types of those types of moments in gaming you dream about in a way yeah. where, yeah. you know, everybody and especially online when, you know, you just wish everybody on, you know, uh, like, for example, Warzone, you just wish everybody would meet up in the middle of the map and just try an all night fight. Yeah. Just to see how that goes and that kind of thing. It's rare that it happens in a game. And yes, not everybody in the lobby participated or helped with the Bloodhound event. But right. the fact that at the end, you know, everybody just kind of has this, you know, realization of, hey, we just helped each other do this thing. Let's have, you know, a, fu- a fun as a community together and not yeah. make it everybody so focused on like, oh, I got to get this win or I got to get these kills or I got to get this damage badge and that kind of thing where the moment it takes for them to go, hey, let's just one second, everybody throw their armor off and let's just fist fight each other to death. That's yep. fun. Yeah. And, the, and, and that's a fun time. So, it's, yeah. You know, I didn't even I didn't win that, but like I that was the most fun I had in like the past, you know, probably week or two playing Apex. So it's been great. Um, And then I did finish the Forgotten City. I know I had just started it last week. Uh, I had a blast with this game. I did not get all the endings. I just went with one and called it a day there. Um, I don't want to give anything away because I do think people should give this a shot. I wasn't sold on it at first just because of the sheer amount of talking that goes on and like the branches of choices is so many. I was just like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do this, but I stuck with it. Um, There's some game mechanics you get later on, which are pretty cool. And man, I had a blast. I I don't know if it's going to end up on my top 10. It might, Um, but definitely check it out. I know it's not expensive um, and it was a very, very small team that worked on this. And there's there's some interesting the missions the side missions some are funny some are you know very very interesting so everybody should definitely check out forgotten city even if you think it's not something you would like uh i had a blast so cool uh, it's uh i know it's got a lot of like it feels like it's a skyrim mod in a way oh, yeah. according yeah. to what uh, according to everything i've heard it's just good to see games like that end up doing something unique and it ends up pulling it off yeah I absolutely do like the whole premise of like you know if one person sins everyone dies Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing but that's it for games played this week and it's on to movies and tv shows which for both of us we both finished squid game yes and we uh and we're going to talk all spoilers on that so just <laughs> make sure that you you watch that but uh what did you end up what else did you end up watching this week um i went back to the movie theaters go figure um but despite what people may think i did not see venom um i went with uh dear evan hansen Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, which is a musical. Oh, okay. Yep. I've been uh, I've been meaning to see. I think it's the last duel or something like that yeah. with Adam Driver. I mm-hmm. I need I definitely need to see that. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about Squid Game. Let's do it. Uh, so Squid Game of is go- going to I'm going to go with the most popular Netflix show of all time. Yeah. Uh, it's been really climbing that list and to the point where and this is almost an, even a bit of news where. Korean companies are suing Netflix because of the high usage of internet <laughs> that they want Netflix to pay for the internet usage that people are using to watch squid game, which is just kind of funny to see yeah. in a way, but squid and the idea of squid game is not something that's new. Uh, that's been in manga before and also been in there's another Netflix original called Alice in Borderlands. Yes. And it's a lot like that. So that was this good is as the, well. Uh, so it's not anything new, but this is the first time I've become aware of like everything like this. So the idea of Squid Game is new and it's fun for me. Uh, the basic premise of this is it's a Korean TV show where these uh, it's not really called like the games that they're in is not called Squid Game, but what they do is they take people all over Korea who are, you know, trillions of dollars in debt with nowhere to go and put them all in a room together and say, you have to play these six kid games and you can win a total of 450 billion won, 
which is the which is the money. But the twist is, is that none of them are there by force. They all kind of get they all kind of want to be in there because th- they need the money. And two, uh, there's a deadly twist to all of these games. So, you know, this I'll say right here, this is where we start to get into spoiler Yeah. where, you know, the first game is a game everybody knows, red, red light, green light. And if you don't stop at red light, somebody's shooting you with a 50 cal. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that's when you kind of get the feel for everything going on with this TV show. And um, the TV show is just fun. I find myself yeah. wanting to find out more about, you know, the world that this is in. I kind of like the twist on all the games. Like it, it's weird to see people. And I never played Honeycomb as a kid. No, me but neither. I think it's I guess it's something native to Korea where you're trying to like cut out a piece of this thing in Honeycomb. But the stuff they do, you know, like during Honeycomb, the main character, you know, he he got the umbrella, the most difficult shape and looks at the back of it and decides, OK, I need to lick the sugar off of this. And you see everybody do it and everybody starts passing it, which I thought was cool. There are games like Tug of War. There is Squid Game, which I never played as a kid. Mm-hmm. I've got no idea what that of what Squid Game actually is. But it's the, the whole world and story that they're building is just a lot of fun. And I, I enjoyed it when, you know, that I'll stop talking for a second and let you talk <laughs> about it, Craig. Um. The stuff that I really appreciated was they took the time to give backstory to a lot of the characters so that you cared about a lot of them. Um, You know, there's obviously the ones you're going to hate, but you still care enough about them. Um, They don't just stick with the one main character and everybody else are just like, oh, they're just random people. Like there's a solid what, like probably nine, ten people that you get a decent backstory on. Um, So I appreciated that. I also appreciated that this isn't just like, oh, we're going to kidnap all these people and put them in a room and force them to play these games and kill each other. No, they they signed up to go to this. They also give them the option to quit at any time if the majority of the people vote to. And that does happen, which I thought was cool Um, right after the first game. Right. Everybody like votes and they're like, no, we don't want to do this anymore. And everybody gets to leave, um, which threw me off. I did not expect that. Yeah. But. Um, but then to come, you know, a lot of them decide to come back because they just want the money so bad. And when you get to the end and, you know, you see everything you see at the end and then you realize that that vote all comes down to one person. And then when you realize that one person's intentions the whole time, it makes sense that he voted to, you know, in my opinion, voted to end. But he knew that the majority of those people were going to come back. Um, they were so far in debt. I just feel like they didn't have a choice. Um, that initial shock of like, oh man, we could die, but then, you know, I either die here or go back to a life that's horrible anyway. So it, you know, the whole and idea most, I thought and was most great. likely die anyway. Correct. Uh, yep. Especially like with one of the characters who's like a gang member, yep. like he, he was going to die if he went back out there in the real world. And, yep. you know, for, I guess for our, our, I guess, main character, you know, yeah, he's in a lot of debt, but he, you know, it kind of all he starts to go. He goes back into the game because his grandmother's sick yep. and he needs to and he needs to come up with the money in order to to pay for the grandmother's bills. And what I like about all of this is none of these characters are goody two shoes like <laughs> yeah. um, everybody is kind of dark and they they know who they are and they play that character. I guess really the only character that really isn't too bad is the uh, the main girl who yeah you know wants to get the money to kind of help put her family together and the guy from uh pakistan yeah the guy from pakistan yeah he was fine yeah yeah like not everybody's a bad person in here right but um the bad people are the ones where we get the most information about them and that's what makes them you know it's weird that they're cheerable but they are yeah um you know, overall, I I did really like this show. It's something that I think people should watch. And I do say, like, I watched it all in, in Korean with the subtitles on. I think that's how it should be watched. The dub oh, yeah. isn't very the dub isn't very good. And okay. the, the lip syncing can definitely bother people like it. it like it's not like anime where you can match lip flaps. You right. know? <laughs> Their mouths are moving and saying something completely different from what's on the screen. And it could bother a lot of people. Uh, yeah. With that. I think, I mean, I love this show. 
my only gripes with their show was when they bring in the VIPs, yeah. um, which are from the United States, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. Because they're all speaking English. Those are some of the worst actors I've ever seen. And I don't know if it's a mixture of Korean uh, writers trying to write English or if it's just the actors they got are awful. But like it's it was like distracting to me how bad they were delivering those lines. Like it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Like the moment the VIPs come in, like the yeah. show kind of takes a dive for my enjoyment, to yep. be honest. Yep. Like I just really wish you probably could have not gone with like all of those American VIPs. Like you probably could yep. have went with all Korean VIPs and it probably would have been a lot better, mm-hmm. but, or just not go with the idea of the introducing VIPs at all. You don't and even it, need them. Exactly. Like yep. that. It, it kind of felt like you were dragging it on at that point uh, in mm-hmm. order to make, you know, a couple more episodes out of it or make it a longer runtime. Right. So I, that that's what I kind of wish is that one, the VIPs were never a thing or implemented better. And two, and there's been a lot of articles about this already is um, this show will be greenlit for a second season. Yep. I just kind of wish it ended on one. Like yep. I would have been a okay with how it ends, but with how, with, with how it ends now, it seems like there's going to be another one. Yep. And I would have been really okay with them just, ending it after the first season but unfortunately that's not how any of this works uh, yeah we all it, know that's not how that works when a show does well yeah if <laughs> if a show does well and is popular they're going to milk it for every single dollar they can yeah that was them setting up another season which they make extremely obvious at the very end of the show was me literally going like come on we we don't need that like just your ending was right there you know yeah. like him going on the plane, it was right there for you. That's all you had to do. Um, you know, maybe it comes out and, and the second season just blows us all the way, which I hope. But I, I nobody needs it. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's what's strange. But yet again, yeah. it's it, it's just how things work and everything like that. Yep. But I agree. Um, 10 out know, of 10, though. Yeah, definitely. Like <laughs> either a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. Because yeah. like I take a point off because of the VIPs and how it ends. Uh, that's fair. That's just personal opinion for me. But the that middle chunk, you know, episode one to episode, I think what it is like six or seven mm-hmm. um, is just a fun roller coaster ride. And you'll find yep. yourself binging this series just like I did in a week. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it's it just goes and does not stop. <laughs> Fantastic. Exactly. Did you watch but, anything else besides that? No, I did not. Man. Okay. Um, Dear Evan Hansen. So Dear Evan Hansen is a musical. Um, there is a Dear Evan Hansen musical that was on Broadway originally, uh, written by Ben Platt. If you don't know who Ben Platt is, um, if you ever saw the movie Pitch Perfect, um, he was the goofy magician uh, who was friends with the main male character in Pitch Perfect. Uh, he went on after that to write this musical, which deals with, a lot of um, important teenage topics, suicide, depression, that kind of stuff. Um, and it did insanely well on Broadway. So they do what they always do and they take Broadway musicals and they make movies out of them. Um, this movie has been getting absolutely destroyed by critics, like just mm. insanely destroyed. Um, I have had like those. A lot of those songs have been in my Spotify rotation for a while. Most people probably don't know that, but about me, but I do enjoy like musicals quite a bit. Um, you know, Hamilton has grown on me a lot since the last time we brought that up a while ago. Um, I just like musicals. So I was excited for this. Um, I had hesitation because of how bad the reviews were, but when you went to the audience reviews, um, I think like the critic reviews are sitting at like a 30 on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience reviews are at like a 93. Um, so there's (laughs) a big discrepancy. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was done very well. Um, it's a extremely sad, depressing movie. Um, but, you know, I knew that going in. Um, I would say it's worth the watch. It it does have a good, I won't say good, important message. Um, and if you like musicals, give it a shot. If you don't like musicals, I can understand not wanting to watch a movie where they break into song every so often. But uh, <laughs> it's got its, you know, slower moments the ending i think dragged on a little bit longer than it needed to 
But overall, I mean, this is a solid, solid movie for me. It'll probably end up on my list somewhere. Uh, but 100%, I would recommend this. All right. Uh, I, t- I tend to get more into musicals now that like Hamilton, I, ha- Hamilton, I enjoyed watching. Mm-hmm. In the Heights, I enjoyed watching. None of those yeah. songs ever find their way onto my Netflix rotation because my yeah. taste in music is all over the place. <laughs> but um, th- th- that's good to hear. And, you know, this isn't the first time where, you know, critics and fan audiences don't agree on, you know, yep. a review. So it just goes to show that even the stuff we say on here, take it with a grain of salt and go experience it for yourself. Exactly. Uh, not everything we like is what you'll like, but you know, we just happen to be on the internet and express our opinions out <laughs> to the public for fun. Yep. So with that, we're going to go ahead and end the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all the support that we get. If you like the podcast, please make sure to share it with friends and if you have time, we would really appreciate if you would review it on your podcast platform of choice. That helps recommend this podcast to other people. Spotify is doing a bunch of podcast recommendation stuff now. And if you guys don't mind doing that stuff, it would help us out a lot. And Craig and I both would appreciate it. Yeah. If you're looking to get involved with the channel at all, ask us questions or anything like that. I have a Twitter at High Sensitivity. And we also have an Instagram and Facebook at High Sensitivity Gaming. And if you don't want to do any of that, we also have an email that you can email high sensitivity podcast at gmail.com. And yep. uh, f- we will be doing more stuff with the channel. Uh, the website, once that stupid, uh, you know, renew actually starts and the license <laughs> stuff start, starts happening, I plan to do more. So mm-hmm. be prepared for like, you know, um, more to see more from us. And I'm excited to do more. But with that, thanks for listening once more. And we'll see you guys next time. See you later. Thank you.